Hello and welcome to the Our Wisdom podcast. I'm Geeta Sundaram from Goa, India, and I'm here to talk to you about all things business, politics, and culture. Thank you for joining me. In today's edition of the Our Wisdom podcast, we will be discussing self-reliance and the COVID economy in India. Hello and welcome to the last of the Our Wisdom podcast, at least for 2020. In this edition, I would like to focus on the Indian economy, reeling as it is from COVID-19 like the rest of the world. In India's case, we seem to be making it particularly hard on ourselves. By focusing so much on the economic stimulus, we are perhaps neglecting to control the numbers of COVID cases and the healthcare part of it. The fact that we are in the midst of a pandemic seems to be lost on the leadership of this country. I have already written enough on my blog posts and spoken about the way in which the lockdowns were announced in India in a previous podcast. It is not just the economic hardship it imposed on millions of migrant workers in the country. It helped spread the virus to parts of rural India which were until then relatively safe from COVID-19. If that were not enough, In the midst of a raging pandemic, our Prime Minister announces a new slogan, Atma Nirbharta, or Self-Reliance, the basis for a whole new set of economic reforms and packages. Since then, the government has announced three sets of self-reliance stimulus packages. Of these, only Self-Reliance 2.0 address the most critical issues, protecting the lives and livelihoods of the poor, including farmers and migrant workers. That was touted to be 10% of our GDP when it was actually less than 2% of our GDP, since the RBI was doing more of the heavy lifting. Self-Reliance 3.0, announced on 12th November 2020, claims to be the booster shot for industry and infrastructure, hoping to attract investment for the previous slogan, Make in India. It offers production-linked incentives to 10 sectors in order to boost production and exports. The stimulus totals to about 1.46 trillion rupees, which, when added to the PLIs that already exist for mobile handsets and APIs, totals to rupees 2 trillion. The focus is on automobiles, auto components, textile, and battery production. The other part of Self Reliance 3.0 is rupees 1.2 trillion for MSMEs, especially those in 26 stress sectors, according to the KV Kamath Committee fertilizer subsidy, defense, housing, etc. The details of these are yet to be announced. The Economic Times also mentioned that there is a wage subsidy in the offing, which might be worth Rs 7 trillion or 3.5% of GDP for businesses that have GST registration. Meanwhile, India's GDP figures for the second quarter of this fiscal year are out and they indicate a miraculous recovery, would you believe it? We are, of course, now in recession, as was expected, but with a contraction of only 7.5% year-on-year, when most estimates were around 10-11%. to This when between June and September, we were fully out of lockdown only in September, and muted demand was reported through most of the quarter. The Prime Minister says that a crisis must be seen as an opportunity for reforms, which I think all of us would agree with. However, we must ask, opportunity for what? The way the agriculture and land reforms were rushed through shows a lack of planning and taking the states along. Self-reliance only appears to be a reducing dependence on China's strategy. 
how much will this alleviate COVID-19 since there is no new stimulus to tackle the pandemic? And is a pandemic the right time to be introducing an economic package that once again tackles only the supply side of the economy? Let's discuss that after this little break. You're listening to the Owl Wisdom podcast on self-reliance in a COVID economy. Next, we'll discuss the effectiveness of Self-Reliance 3.0 in tackling COVID and the economic recession in India. Welcome back. I think the government might have got carried away by the spurt in consumer demand during the festive season. No thanks to the festive season loans on offer to government employees, I am sure. There are signs of a revival in consumer demand in the Indian economy, but we must look at the details before jumping to conclusions or making incorrect assumptions. First, since there was a three-month lockdown where most economic activity except essential services came to a standstill, there was pent-up demand once the inventory had been exhausted. That meant that the supply side had to restart and first to report growth were FMCG companies in India. Most of the boost in sales of consumer durables came during the festive season. However, a large part of this growth too, especially in automobiles, are wholesale figures which are reported on a monthly basis. While there was a sharp spike in demand in October over the previous month, the industry is still 24% down year-on-year thanks to a quirk of circumstance. The festive season this year was split between October and November. Unemployment levels in India, while they are down from their highs of 23.52 in March and 21.75 in April, are still at elevated levels of 6.5% in end November 2020, according to CMI. And while large listed companies have mostly stayed away from retrenching staff, small and medium-sized businesses must be under severe strain. In fact, the government extending the credit guarantee scheme of Rs 3 trillion till the end of 2021 itself might not help matters, since only half the amount was disbursed until October 2020, as I had observed in a blog post. That's why I suspect the amount hasn't been increased either. The fertilizer subsidy has been increased by a massive 65,000 crore rupees when the budgeted amount was rupees 71,000 crores. But part of this might go towards addressing the rupees 47,000 crores worth of arrears, so it isn't much of a relief again. I think the idea of boosting manufacturing with a production-linked incentive is a good one, but for another time. The priority right now should be to boost demand. The problem in the Indian economy for the past several years has been slowing consumer demand, especially in the rural sector, thanks to low realizations from agriculture. After all, the Indian economy has been in slowdown mode since 2016. The most immediate and effective ways to boost consumer demand would be to ensure the protection of jobs and to put more money and food distribution in the hands of the poor and vulnerable sections of society. Self-Reliance 2.0 went some way in doing this, but I am not sure how many of these programs are still in force. The other way to boost consumer demand is to create new employment opportunities, and that is where infrastructure projects help. 
India needs plenty of new infrastructure in the form of roads, rail, airports, telecom, healthcare, coal chains, power and water supply, etc. I am surprised that only rupees 8,000 crores have been set aside for this in Self-Reliance 3.0, of which 6,000 crores are for physical infrastructure projects, while rupees 2,000 crores are for social infrastructure such as water supply, wastewater treatment, solid waste management, education and healthcare. Since when did water supply, water treatment and solid waste management fall under social infrastructure and not under physical infrastructure? It is also unclear whether the rupees 6,000 crores for physical infrastructure is the same rupees 6,000 crore equity infusion that the government now plans into NIIF, India's premier infrastructure fund. I don't see much opportunity for job creation here. Besides, the production-linked incentives for manufacturing are for a period of five years and spread across ten sectors, the government is once again trying to do too much with too little. I'm also not sure that PLIs alone will attract new investment. Besides, focusing solely on exports is also not a very helpful strategy when demand across the world is muted. Self-Reliance 3.0 seems to be a case of misplaced priorities in a pandemic-struck world, especially when Q2 GDP suggests that investment was down by minus 7.3% and government final consumption expenditure is also down by minus 22.17%. Jobs, better wages and consumer demand should be high on the agenda, in addition to stimulus for healthcare and tackling COVID-19. How to handle the rise of China is a separate issue, For that, I had already suggested in a previous podcast the need for an industrial policy that makes India more competitive by making Middle India, the bulk of its entrepreneurial class, more competitive. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Owl Wisdom Podcast. This is Geeta Sundaram signing off and wishing you a very happy new year in 2021. For more Owl Wisdom, read my blog peripateticperch.com and follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.